from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. It's time for the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your glamorous host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during global chaos. Working from home? Yeah, that is chaotic. IT right now is so important. So we've got a help desk slated episode for you all though today. First though, remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can join the channel for only $3 a month. You can become a baby shark. You help this channel grow. You get some cool perks. Now, if doing things through big tech isn't your thing, don't worry, we got you covered. Head on over to deadhousecoffee.com. Use the code SHARK, okay? That is SHARK, like Shark Bite Fizz, and you'll get 20% off of your order and all the proceeds from deadhousecoffee.com help this show grow immensely. Your support, your purchases have been amazing. Keep it coming through and we'll keep getting better episodes. Now, I got two other quick announcements. Apple. They had their new iTunes podcast connect thing. Uh, I'm not an Apple guy, obviously, so I don't know all the details. I just know that we're listed there. You can find the show. All you got to do is go to iTunes podcast connect. Look up Shark Bite Biz. You will get the full audio of each and every episode that we release. Or if you're an Android person like me, easily go to the Google Play Store. Search for Shark Bite Biz. In fact, the link is in the description below of this episode. And you will get the app that has every audio and every video that we end up releasing. Now, let's get back to today's show, okay? We're going to be talking about pandemic-related IT challenges because there are so many with everybody working from home, people working remote. You know, I've heard of people even working through the pandemic through Fiji, you know? So with the whole security, ransomware, all that stuff, you know, it's... Never a better time than right now to have an episode like we have today. Plus, as an added bonus, there's a pretty amazing business story here from a serial entrepreneur. Again, one of our favorite words in this show, serial entrepreneur. We're going to hear about today's guest, all the lessons that he learned throughout owning three different businesses. So it's really business advice at its best. So, who is today's guest? Oh, so glad you asked. John Schramm. John Schramm is an IT support expert and the founder and CEO of The Purple Guys, a tech company that has grown since 2001 to become the Midwest premier provider of IT support services. The Purple Guys is a fast-growing seven-digit business that has helped hundreds of companies grow by solving their IT problems and providing them with stress-free, bulletproof tech support. John and his wife, Jill, have three children and have founded two 
businesses together. This is an amazing story. You're going to love the interview. So let me shut up. Let's bring John on in here. Tech for your biz. John, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend. You just became Shark Bait. I'm excited to be here. Ah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> great interview. I can't wait to talk to you. Yeah. You're one of my favorite topics as far as IT, IT challenges, uh, managed service, uh, managed services, stuff like that. So why don't you kick it off though? Okay, we have a tradition on the show. Very first question is always, "What's your experience? What's your background?" Basically. Tell me, what's the secret sauce that makes John John? Uh, I, I don't know that there's a secret sauce, but I'll give you the background. So from the business perspective, the way I describe yep. myself is I am an unintentional serial entrepreneur. So I've had mm. three startups from scratch. Uh, the startups have all been amazingly successful from a business perspective. Uh, and the first two were amazingly unsuccessful from a partnership perspective. <laughs> uh, so I've got the scars to prove it. Uh, but uh, had two, you know, wildly successful startups early on, and wildly unsuccessful partnerships. And third time's a charm. Purple Guys has been fantastic, and it's it's been my career for 20 years. So uh, it's uh, it's been a fun ride. Wow. So what you just said there, I think, is important. I just want to dig deeper there because. People that listen to this show, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners, or they want to be, they're managers, directors, mm -hmm. they do things like that. And I, I think one of the big things is, is, is it's important to have the right team around you yeah. and to have cohesiveness and working with the right people. In fact, for my day job, we were just talking about this with what I do for Vision 33. I always tell a prospect, you know, there's two ingredients to this, okay? The first one is the solution. You've got to make sure that the software that you're buying is right. But even if you do get the right software, you still need that second magic ingredient, which is the partner to implement the system for you. Yeah. Because if you mess up one of those two, you're going to have a failed implementation. That's the same thing with starting a business. And it oh, sounds yeah. like you had the <laughs> right idea, but the wrong people. Oh yeah, I had the, the right idea. Yeah, I'll 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 give you a few more details since uh, okay, since you okay. asked. So no no no. Very, well, you yeah. opened the door. You opened <laughs> I, the door. I, I, <laughs> I did. Yes. So so the first startup, uh, really, there's three of them. So the first startup was actually a branch office. Uh, so I'm mm -hmm. I am now uh, in Kansas City, and my wife and I decided we wanted to live in Kansas City. She grew up here. I did not. Uh, we were both living in Chicago. Uh, we decided, all right, let's make a uh, proposal to her boss to open a branch office of his firm. Uh, okay. We did. Uh, so I'm, I am a detail type person. So I wrote the business plan. My wife is uh, kind of an incredible salesperson. Wrote the business yeah. plan, took it to her boss. He's like, great, we'll do it. 38 page operating agreement explaining how we were going to split the profits of this fabulous new office we were going to start. Mm -hmm. uh, we came to Kansas City in April of uh, 1996. Uh, wow. And and by October of 1996, we were on a million dollar run rate, uh, and we were wildly successful, which adhered perfectly to my business plan, by the way. Wow! Uh, uh, but we got uh, that right. But it, but it did <laughs> it did shock the business owner, uh, and at that point in time, he said, "Well." according to our operating agreement, I'm going to pay you more than anybody else in the company. And I said, well, I, I did the math ahead of time. That was actually on my proposal. He's like, well, I can't mm -hmm. pay you that. So 
we chose to leave. Yeah. Uh, so that was the first failed partnership. That, Again, well, hold yeah. on a second. Doesn't doesn't that suck? You know, I was just. It does. Yeah, I mean, okay. So I, I want to take a step <laughs> back. Uh, you probably don't know this about me, but yeah. my audience does. I contribute with Forbes.com uh, mm-hmm. as part of their biz dev council, and one of the things that we actually just talked about was sales reps, commission structures, and stuff like that, which is a different topic than what you're doing. But I think the mentality of what he had is the same thing that I actually wrote about one of my bullet points to give my advice out as, which is, you know, don't put caps on people. Don't be greedy. If someone is making you more money, even if it's making, you know, more money than you are, your number one paid employee more than that's probably because they're doing something good and they're doing it right. What you want to do is learn from that and get that to the other areas of the business. And then you all rise. Don't punish somebody for being successful. And that's exactly what my point was. And that was about sales commissions again, but I think that goes to your point right there. Oh, if if you've got the appropriate incentive plan, and in my opinion, that one was appropriate, uh, everybody wins. There's there's nothing that makes me happier as a business owner than writing gigantic commission checks. Oh, (laughs) same here, same here. Properly structured, it is a win-win-win across the board. It is something to celebrate all day long. Uh, I have yeah. never uh, understood business owners that complain about how much their salespeople make. It's it's that only lives on their shoulders. Like you either set yeah. it up wrong or like get over yourself. Like I mean, the whole point is to make the cash register ring and grow the business and create exactly. more opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, thanks for that. And then uh, you were going to jump into your second one quickly. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the second one, so we exited that business. Uh, we got started another business and these were both in the IT staffing world, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so we started a second business and got into business with my wife's uncle. So in, in hindsight, we didn't, need a, we didn't need a business partner. We'd actually proven that we could do it on our own. Uh, but you know, being young and naive thought, oh, we still need somebody to kind of lean on. So we leaned on my wife's uncle and this time was a one, one page operating agreement because it was family. So that's second, (laughs) second lesson learned. Uh, but ultimately it doesn't matter how, how long the operating agreement is, uh, that business, we went zero to 10 million in revenue and zero to 90 employees in a four year period. Uh, wow. and, the, and the more successful we got, again, this is shades of the first one, the more successful we got, the more belligerent her uncle got about no way. And and again, it was one page operating agreement. It was like, hey, we just really want some seed money. We want to essentially own this ourselves. So, you know, after the first year, we were successful. And again, we were on a rocket ship growth, but he's like, no way mm-hmm. I'm letting go, letting go of this. So anytime we would bring up the, hey, what's this going to take to figure out the buyout? Like we talked about, he got <laughs> ruder, ruder and ruder and the family dynamic was deteriorating. So uh, we decided to resign from that company uh, and timing being everything, we resigned our position in the company on September 10th, 2001. Wow next day's 9-11 wow. yeah, so talk, yeah, talk yeah. about putting all the angst and anxiety and it would you know it was all about money and stuff it, it it immediately became all about money and stuff uh yeah so put it in total perspective uh but we walked away from that uh that business and got wow this business timing started. 
timing was definitely interesting there because obviously everybody, I think everybody listening to this podcast or watching it remembers what happens the next day. That was also, you know, just like comment. It was an impactful day for me there as well too, because it's really what catapulted me onto my journey. I moved down and lived in Mexico for about 15 years. And (laughs) I was only 18. You're there making millions when you, you know, in 2001, I just turned 18 in 2001. And it was about six weeks to two months after September 11th that I ended up taking a Greyhound because I was too afraid to fly at that moment, but (laughs) took a Greyhound from a small little town in Pennsylvania called Pottsville, where is the home of Yingling Beer for all those beer aficionados out there. America's oldest brewery, by the way. Oh, wow. And took a little bus from there all the way down. I took a Greyhound to Tijuana. (laughs) I mean, seriously. That's that's the start of a country song right there, for sure. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. it, It was a, well... So we actually didn't make it into Tijuana with the Greyhound because we we met a guy in Las Vegas that that <laughs> after about two hours of asking him a question, it's me and my buddy, and we're 18, we're young, super dumb. And he's like, yo, dudes, you guys are going to get yourselves killed. Come live with me. <laughs> and we said, okay, let's do it. So we just got his brother to pick us up and take us down to their house. Didn't have keys to get in or anything. It's, wow. a, it's a funny story. In fact, I just told this on another uh, uh, podcast. They, they were asking my origin story, and I gave it to them. And it, it, it's the funniest story you'll ever hear. But wow. uh, <laughs> So when I hear that and what you did, I think about how that time period also was one of change and transition for me as well. So. Now you're on your next business venture. First off, I got to say, I'm looking at it right now. The purple guys, the coloring purple is probably one of my favorite colors behind green, blue, yellow, orange, (laughs) and black. Um, And and, 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 you know, the logo, I love it. It's fun. What do you all do right now? What do we do? We are the IT support department to uh, 270 businesses here in the Kansas City metro area and 670 businesses nationwide. Uh, So in those businesses range from kind of the 20 to 200 employees. And and the way I got into this business was actually in my last business, that rocket ship growth, zero to 90 employees. A long time ago, and my kids will definitely attest to a long time ago, uh, I could actually do some technical things. And as we were going through that crazy growth, I uh, was responsible for making sure people could still print. And I was also the president of the company. And it dawned on me that, (laughs) hey, I I probably have a better use for my time. So we we were the IT staffing world. And I was just going to hire somebody, put them on staff internally. And one of the the people that worked for me said, hey, I know somebody does this part-time. You should outsource our IT support. So I had an IT staffing company. And I outsourced my IT support to a a, a two-man shop and uh, liked it. And that was my introduction to what I do now was I had outsourced it. And when when I got this thing going, basically bought those guys out. uh, Funny how it all goes kind of full circle there in a way, right? Yeah, yes. So, So, you know, you're in a very interesting industry because with our industry, I kind of think that it's one of those things that people just don't, generally like paying for 
You know, the <laughs> IT budgets are usually slashed. People think that uh, it should be cheap because you can yes. access Google for free. How That's to right. get your printer to work or mm -hmm. print that Google page should be free. Yes. Well, what's your take on that? I'm sure you have some interesting stories. My, my take on the what are you paying for? And this is actually the philosophy of the company as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, and we say it pretty much every single staff meeting, which I think for, <laughs> for the hardcore technical people kind of irritates them. But my, my description of what do the purple guys do? We are, we are a customer service company that happens to deal with technology. So the work oh. people paying for is they're paying for access to the helpline. And then to most of our customers, we ask them, what are the purple guys do? We answer the phone when something doesn't work. And the something okay. generally hasn't has an on-off switch in a screen. So I don't care if it's cloud, if it's Google, if it's your phone, if it's a laptop, the desktop. The the general population is going to have the I don't know how to make this thing work. And they gotta have somebody they can reach out to. Uh, and that is what we do, and we do it really, really well. We do all of the other stuff wrapped around it, which a lot of people don't see in the security and the updates and all that right. kind of stuff. But the the customer service aspect of being friendly when you call, being yeah. responsive when you call, <laughs> and then actually being able to fix it, that's that is what drives our economic engine. Uh, and I don't and see I can the, the need for a help desk going away yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can definitely imagine that uh, you said being friendly when you call. That's got to be frustrating <laughs> sometimes in this industry. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah, people aren't Challenging. generally in a, in, a, in a great mood uh, when they call you because the technology doesn't work. And of course, it's our fault when we pick up the phone. Like, yeah. Uh, and we've got a we we hire for people that have a, a high patience uh, and yeah. that that empathy, which usually doesn't come in the same package as someone with high skills in technology they tend to be almost yeah. opposed to one another so that that is actually you, part of our secret sauce you you probably get people like me and i'm going to sound like an idiot for saying it but it's truthful like for example i love t-mobile but say i have a problem which i do where my phone <laughs> doesn't you know the text messages are coming in delayed apparently it's because they're upgrading 5g uh, servers around here and it's yes. yeah. on the way to being fixed now but when i'm talking to these people it's like i don't know maybe it's just because of what i do and the adverse you know the immense knowledge that i have in this industry how this stuff all works and stuff like that that i am actually smarter than these people but it's like my God, trust me, I would have already done that. You are the absolute yeah. <laughs> last step I would ever do of calling you guys for support. Okay. So if I'm calling yeah. you, it's serious. Okay. Yeah. I've already restarted the phone. Yeah. I've already, you know, mm -hmm. that all that stuff. I yeah. you get a lot of that. How do you deal with that? I mean, we get we get some of that. Um <laughs> And you know, it is still the have you have you rebooted it? Uh, sometimes yeah. we have to ask that. Uh, there there is the occasional is it plugged in? And I'm and I'm actually not kidding because <laughs> uh, that has actually been the issue. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Or or or, or the batteries ran out on the keyboard uh -huh. that happens to be wireless. Like that actually is not really a technical. And I issue. get I mean, it. it. I get it. I mean, you do have some so, people that yes. you know they're not, and you have to balance it out. Uh huh. But for me personally, yeah. it drives me nuts. Yeah, and, and it will. Uh, and I will tell you what our customers appreciate about us is one of yeah. the roles we play is we are that liaison. So when their mm -hmm. internet provider is giving them the runaround, we just get on the phone and we have the technical talk. 
Yeah. So we can generally cut through the, have you tried the, yeah, we've tried all this. Let me actually tell you everything we've tried. And by the way, can we just escalate this to your boss? Uh, so we can generally get really faster response than they can from their okay. vendors. And that's something we want to have live on our shoulders because our, our whole motto is to provide stress-free IT support, yeah. which is easy to say, crazy hard to do. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I can I can definitely imagine. I should probably hire you guys so that way I can tweet less then, because that's usually yeah. how I get it fixed. <laughs> yes. But, well, yeah. If, if they're, if they're but, paying attention, yeah. tweeting helps. Yeah. Oh, they Some do. Some companies they don't do. pay I attention tweet, to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say most companies I work with, I tweet usually yeah. within a day max, depending the issue. Yeah. I usually get a fairly good response, fairly easy. It has me just cut yeah. through the red tape. Especially yeah. if it's not super urgent and I just don't feel yeah. like spending hours of having to explain and re-explain and re-explain. Then they'll, yeah. you know, usually it'll be like, hey, this is, you know, the CEO's office or whatever. Here, let us uh, yeah. uh, get someone on this to get this fixed for you. Bing, bing, boom, done. It's like a shortcut for customer yeah. service, I found. Yes. But anyways, anyways, <laughs> you know, with this pandemic, we've been stuck in this COVID-19. Maybe we're getting out of it now. It seems like it. Yeah. And I, I hope we are, you know, finally at the moment to where we can look at this and see that it's uh, it's past us. But time will tell. But the pandemic has forced a lot of businesses almost overnight to digitally transform. How has your company had to help them adopt to that digital transformation of employees working from home, you know, working remote, not all working within those four walls of one business anymore? The transition from everybody coming to the same office to basically everybody mm -hmm. just waking up, rolling out of bed, slipping their yeah. slippers on and being at work. Uh, we've helped define an appropriate work environment. I mean, there's the ergonomics of having a good chair to sit in, but there's also all the, yep. you know, having just a laptop doesn't mean you can be as productive as when you're sitting at your desk with three giant monitors and a full-size keyboard. So early on, we did whatever we could to just put band-aids on things, but then we helped come up with standards and talk mm -hmm. to our, our customers. Like, all right, you want, I mean, this is the world, we got to adapt to it. So what does an adequate work environment look like? You know, yeah, you spent, you know, $1,500 or $2,000 on a laptop, but yes, you really do have to provide monitors and you really have to provide a keyboard. And, yeah. you know, do you want them to let them just drive into the office and pick it up and take it home? Or you want to buy new? Uh, and then the other technology pieces that went around, went along with that is, you know, when they're all physically in one spot, you can kind of tighten down security on that one environment but once mm -hmm. everybody's distributed, you've still got to pay attention to the security in every individual environment. Um, and that might be training people on what to look for. And I think just people let their guard down when they were at home. And, you know, at least early on, they just kind of click on anything. Um, but, but training people what to look for. So having that security aspect, we've helped uh, transition people to, and then, you know, the, the pure reliance on the digital platform to stay connected, mm -hmm. uh, the, the stigma of doing a web call is yeah. gone, utterly vanished. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just completely gone, which I think is a huge positive because it's added to a, a people turn their cameras on now too. They, they do turn their cameras on now. Um, and it's, there's an efficiency to it. I, I, I'm, I am still excited about getting back to way more in-person meetings, 
because yeah. I think there's something that's been lost with that. But yeah, for the general quick and especially IT support, they don't want to wait for us to drive there like ever. Right. They, they never did. So exactly. the ability to do it remotely, and if we have you know have to do a video call to do it remotely, great. And, uh, but that uh, the remote enablement has been huge. So with you know so many more programs, apps, stuff like that. I mean, we're in a world now where most things are going to be cloud based or browser based compared to mm-hmm. you know a couple of years ago where it was like um, excuse me perpetual like on prem type software situation, the change to having cloud-based and browser-based solutions, has that made this digital transformation for work from home work or working remotely easier, you think? Oh, the the folks that had already started down the cloud path, uh, it was massively easier. Yeah. Uh, So, and and that was pretty much our number one project pre-pandemic was helping people migrate bits and pieces to the cloud. Uh, and now it just accelerated all that. Uh, so the, the more stuff that's out in the cloud, the easier it is to work from anywhere because kind of by definition, it doesn't matter where you are. You've got access yeah. to the cloud as long as you get a, a, a decent. Oh, that's what I tell my salespeople. It's like work yeah. from the beach, work from Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. You know, be on your calls, be on your demos, do whatever yeah. you want. Just, yeah. you know, I, I'm. So when I had Soledad on Brian on this show and yeah. a lot of other people, I mean, that's one of the big things that we've been talking about is for many business professionals, a nine to five workday, I think is really outdated. It's more about workloads and deliverables and completing yeah. your task and your missions. Are you checkmarking all of that? I mean, yeah. if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing, I don't care if you work eight hours. I don't care if you work 10 hours yeah. or if you work four hours. I just need this stuff to be done. That's yeah. what I'm paying you for. Get it done. And I think, I really think that, you know, the the cloud doing this remotely, working from home, uh, all this stuff really enables people to work more efficiently and have a better work-life balance as well, too. Oh, I, I think it has both the ability to give you more work-life balance, and it also has the ability to destroy your work-life balance. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it's, it, it's, you know, the, the excuse of, I'm not in the office, it isn't an excuse mm-hmm. anymore. No. Uh, so... The uh, I, I would agree that uh, it it's created a lot more flexibility and there's there's certain right. positions that they're very metric driven. They're very they have very defined deliverables um, and there's other positions like pretty much our 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 whole uh, help desk staff and our service department. We've got to be on eight to five mm-hmm. Monday to Friday, and we've got to have actually some hours on the evenings and weekends. So oh, yeah. you know, that does tie you. But, you know, again, the flexibility of you don't have to be at your desk or re- really even a desk to be effective and do that customer mm-hmm. service now. So it's made people more portable. Are you seeing an increase of calls that are going to be more outside of the eight to five traditional workday now because of that we've seen a little bit but not much uh, no. we still have the occasional you know in, in law firms are the ones i like to pick on but you know two o'clock <laughs> in the morning working on a brief it's like can you just go back to bed i mean come on um but my printer doesn't work this brief <laughs> yes right right now at two o'clock in the morning we've, we've had that call 
Uh, so we I do have offer. oral arguments at the Supreme yeah. Court at 4 a.m. You guys are holding me up. <laughs> Fix this. Oh, that'd yes. be so funny. Uh-huh. And it, it's almost <laughs> almost exactly that kind of a quote. Uh, wow. So, but it, you know, it it's we really haven't seen a huge spike in calling us in the evening or on the weekends, but we've seen a little mm-hmm. bit more. Uh, and we've extended our hours. And again, we've got options for customers that really need 24-7, but yep. most of them still don't want 24-7. Most of them don't. Yeah. The, I mean, we learned that too. We offer 24-7 yeah. services with our ERP support for the, the business one, yeah. or people are running that in the cloud for the AWS environments as well mm-hmm. too. And the thing is, most customers don't need it. Really, the only people that do need it are people that are running more of a global type office because they have locations in Philly, but also maybe, you know, London or LA or, you know, Thailand or whatever. And they're the people that don't need it more than somebody who is just in one time zone. Well, even the time zones across the US, we've got, I mean, we're it's only we've three got, hours. Yeah, we've we've got customers ac- across the spectrum here, and we do have one customer whose headquarters actually is in in Japan. Uh, now we don't yeah. interact with their corporate office all that much, but we have have had need in the past. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and and again, the the flexibility to do anything from anywhere actually helps free up and add to the work life balance of well, I don't have mm-hmm. to be stuck at my desk, and you know, absolutely don't have to be stuck in my office anymore to be effective. Now I like it because it's like, Hey, midday, if I need to, first off, I've always worked from home with vision 33. Yeah. I worked from home probably like the last 10, 12 years, something like that. And, you know, I have the three monitors here. I have the sprawling desk. My office would look like any other traditional corporate office, except I got a lot more guitars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I like it to where, before it was kind of like if I hopped out during the day because like hey I want to go spend some time uh, with my kids they just got home from school take them for a walk real quick around yeah. the block now I can do that it's like if I don't have anything pressing I don't have any call set or whatever just go do it you know I yeah. want to be taking a call tonight at seven o'clock anyway so why not yeah. you know and I think a lot more managers owners directors you know executive leadership of companies are much more accepting of that and understanding of that type of stuff now than they were probably pre-pandemic. I mean, the pandemic was terrible, don't get me wrong, but there were some positive things that have come out of it because as a society, I think we were moving a little bit too slow down the adoption road. And that's where it just gave us a big push. Like, hey, this technology exists. Use it. Bam. See us tomorrow. Yeah, it it made it, it pushed it fast forward in a big way. And I think everybody got used to the, hey, have some flexibility around the kids because it seems like half of the population decided to homeschool. Um, Yeah. Yeah, depending on- Well, a lot uh, of places, it's not, yeah. I mean, a lot of people didn't have choice. It was like out here, it was mandated. There was nothing you could do up until they opened up hybrid yeah 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 so with everybody working from home what kind of new it security risk does that open up for a business well depending and so this is back to the cloud versus on-premise discussion so Mm -hmm. if the business is not already in the cloud then you have to decide all right 
the stuff that was in our office that we used to actually literally have a wire through the wall plugged into uh-huh. is now getting connected over the internet. So do you use a private VPN? Do you have just dial into the firewall? I mean, what's that connectivity going to look like? Mm-hmm. And then same thing with the corporate assets, like from our perspective, if it's a device that's going to connect into the corporate infrastructure, whether it's cloud or on-prem, it's got to be managed. It's got to have good antivirus. It's got to have patches. You've got to train your people on what to look for. Um, and you need to have that security control extended to every single in, endpoint. Um, and it's it's really important. Uh, the, the frustrating piece of as technology evolved and everybody went home, I mean, the bad actors took adv- advantage of that, just like they always do in any kind of a crisis. Um, yep. So the the attentiveness to the security side of this has been even more important. I mean, anybody with a shingle hung, hung out on the internet is a target. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. that's look that's at frustrating. Uh, all the recent the recent ransomware attacks. Yeah. I mean, there has been what was it, Colonial Pipeline, I believe. Yes, they shut they're, down the pipeline, shut down the food mm-hmm. processing, and well, and even you know Google gets hacked. I mean, so there, there's yep. it's not a you know, can you prevent it for sure? The answer is no, but can you no. minimize the damage? Can you teach people what to look for uh, and just make sure you're aware of what happens as it's happening uh, and, and teach your staff and your team on what, what to look for so you can, again, minimize I got hacked. the damage. Yeah. I got hacked. Yeah. So you want to hear my story? Sure. What ha- well, what you happened? don't have much was, of a choice, was, right? Was this, that's, that's true, <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah, I, I got to yeah. know if it was an email or did you, No, no, I actually, so I have my own little cloud server. Uh, I have a few nap NAS that I have here in my house and it's nice. I got like 40 terabytes on it. You know, the podcast takes up a lot of space and basically QNAP, I guess they had some kind of vulnerability in there and it got some kind of backdoor virus, not just onto mine, but like everybody that was QNAP because it was a vulnerability in the back door of their software from what I'm understanding. And it automatically encrypted all the files. They stopped it, you know, depending how many files you had on, you know, they stopped it probably about halfway point with mine, but it got all the small files. So if I had like a picture, like say a thumbnail that we would use for the YouTube video, the podcast Mm -hmm. encrypted. Okay, it was totally encrypted, locked in key, and then it had the instructions on where to send Bitcoin. They were asking for about $700 worth of Bitcoin. But you want to know what they didn't know, John? They didn't know that I didn't delete my backups of the whole podcast (laughs) on Google Drive yet, and it's still sitting at 99% full. So... (laughs) It's all there in Google Drive, so I didn't actually have to pay anything. but. Even then, I don't know if I'd want to because, oh man, like you have to put that key in for every little file. So I'm talking 30, 40, 50,000 files could be on there that I have to put that password into to decrypt. I'm never going to do that. Yeah. So you you had a backup to recover from, which is awesome. And that is is one of the things we make sure that our, our clients have. And, uh, you know, I'm part of a CEO peer group here in town and 
one of one of the smaller companies here. It's four, 40 person firm and they've given me permission to share all of their details because if it can help somebody, but they basically make industrial cleaning. Um, so yeah. the company's called, the company's called Meyer Labs and 40 people, four servers, backup servers, all on-prem. They got an, an infection in the office manager's PC somewhere in the July-ish timeframe. Um, and it just sat there kind of dormant because there was nothing really great on that PC, but it was infected. Right. And then later on in the year, it was approaching kind of the Christmas timeframe. They were going to do a software upgrade to their main platform, actually their ERP system. Uh, and they oh. use the, they use the local or the network administrator credentials to log into every workstation to do the upgrade. Mm -hmm. So they did that. And the software was constantly phoning home all this time saying, yeah, there's just still nothing here, still nothing here. When they when they logged in with the new credentials, it phoned home and said, hey, got some new stuff. Might want to check it out because it now had the administrative password and credentials for yeah. the entire network. So over that weekend, after you know, they did their software upgrade. And then over that weekend, they go home on Friday. Over the weekend, the bad guys dialed in and they dialed into every single workstation, dialed into every single wow. server and actually dialed into the backup servers that were on premise locked everything down uh they came in on monday and they 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 had to pay uh so the original ransom was like eight hundred and fifty thousand oh, dollars uh wow. and the insurance company got involved so they negotiated it down some and they were actually able do, to get the decryption do, keys do um, insurance companies pay yes, for ransomware they do yes and i that's one of the things we were when we're talking to a new customer and bringing them on board, it's one of the things I recommend everybody has is cyber liability coverage. Um, it is not that expensive, although it's getting to be more expensive because more people are having to pay the ransom. Um, but they'll actually, they had a professional negotiator out in New York on the phone and they, they I want to say they wound up paying like $650,000 instead of 850, but they'll negotiate. Um, and the bad guys Ooh, actually well, have the a custom, ransom, the, the ransom people? people. Oh yeah. Yeah, they'll negotiate. How did they? How do they? I mean, you would think it's, that it's you would just back and forth. Yeah, but and, why wouldn't? Okay, so look, I'm in sales. Okay, yes. why if I have you, you know, if I'm holding you there yeah. like this, why yes. would I negotiate and lose two hundred thousand? Like, dudes, because they they figured backups. out that people will try if they make it too painful, people will just try to restore from backup, and the whole thing is. All right, if we can't get 750, we'll take 650. Um, or if we can't get a million, we'll take you know three quarters of a million. They'd rather have some funds rather than people. Some funds say, and none. So know, that comes in. So they figure green. it out over time. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And the other yeah, thing yeah, is yeah. they have a customer service department. So these guys, they sent them the decryption codes. A few of them didn't work. And they just sent it to their helpline. They're like, oh, so sorry. Try these. Uh, and the crazy part at the very end of it was mm -hmm. they actually wanted a recommendation to say that they were the good bad guys, that we did everything we said, that we said, if you paid this, you'd get the decryption key. You just leave them a Yelp you. review or what? Okay, kinda. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they legitimately asked for that. Uh, yeah, so this, is, this yeah. is a business now. And, it is. Uh, it's scary. That, 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 is, that is the part, everybody's a target too. Again, this is a small 40 person firm, been around for, I wanna say they've been around for 30 years. Never thought they were gonna be a target. But everybody's a target. And again, if they, because it, it, the problem is enough people uh, will pay the ransom. So there's, there is yep. now a cash flow stream going, and the insurance companies are now part of the. 
part of the business model. Um, it's still really, really frustrating. Oh, I can imagine. And that's yeah. where if you like look at mine with my QNAP NAS that mm -hmm. got encrypted with ransomware, that yeah. they knew the market that they were going for. It was either going to be individual users or very yeah. small business users, users that are using these models. And they knew that market, that segment, they knew exactly what they were attacking. So who knows how long yeah. they were in the system to see what's there. And that's part yeah. of the reason why they must have picked that price point of 750 yeah. 800 bucks because yeah. if they did that for most individuals, you know, unless it's stocked with Bitcoin keys, yeah. Uh, you know, that's a lot of money for most individuals. Yeah, totally. So uh, we do got to get going, but I do have yeah. two other quicker questions I want to ask you. The first one is, you know, I mentioned it earlier with your color purple, your caricatures. <laughs> I need to ask you because personally, I love it. If I was starting my own business, in fact, I just did start my own business, a coffee company, Dead House Coffee. And I went not with the colors, but like with the characters. Yeah. And the zombies and stuff like that and some brighter colors. I want to ask you, how has that impacted your business? It has had a tremendous impact on our business. So early on, the name of the company was not Purple Guys. We had a purple logo. And this is my only really good individual <laughs> marketing idea. It was a purple yeah. pen that writes in purple ink. So one of my, we talked about my serial entrepreneur. Uh, one oh, of my I should get you into my marketing department. Yes, yes. One, one of my <laughs> other uh, companies had a... Uh, it had a, a purple logo and I got a purple pen that wrote in purple ink. So when I started yeah. this company, the only thing I knew was I wanted a purple logo so I could keep my purple pens. Uh, and 20 years ago, when we did, when we opened the doors here and did network support and IT support for small businesses, we had to do everything on site. So we had a team uniform and we had a bunch of different colored shirts early on and about, I don't know, six or seven months into the business decided we needed a team uniform. So I, I got purple shirts because that was the logo color and that was the company color. And our customers actually started saying, hey, the purple guys are here. So mm -hmm. we went completely rebranded the company, became the purple guys. And I'll tell you from a small business perspective, what it does is it, you can't forget it. Uh, mm -hmm. Like once, once, if I can get somebody to associate the color purple with computer support, IT support, the next time they are frustrated, which is going to happen because computers are involved, right? Uh, there, there are hats at least going to be in the ring for somebody they call to say, all right, you know, I, I heard about you, I remembered you, can you help? So it has created a tremendous amount of warm leads. Ah, uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's almost like, uh, you know, turning your name into like Google, for example, like, hey, I'm just going to go Google this or Google that, yeah. you know, well, yeah. you're the purple guys, you know, you yes. get synonymous with something like that. Yeah. And that's a that's a very, I think, powerful thing to have for any business. I think yeah. most businesses desire and strive for that for, you know, one degree or another in the back of their heads. Mm -hmm. But to actually be able to achieve that with what you are doing, I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. Congrats on that success. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun leveraging the color and the branding. The characters make it even more fun. You, you can do a lot yeah. of things with characters that you, you can't do with people. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so uh, I'm just going to let that one yeah, there. Yeah, we'll but, leave that there. <laughs> yeah, let that there. 
there. <laughs> so last question is, and this ties into, you know, the the final question of how people can reach out to you, but also give us your pitch. I mean, the IT companies, like we talked about earlier on, it's one of the areas that not a lot of people like to spend on, or they like to minimize yeah. their budgets. Yeah. They don't get it. So why don't you tell us about the importance of hiring not some dude that you found off Craigslist to yeah. update your, you know, your computer stuff, but actually getting a true expert like the purple guys working on somebody's, you know, yeah. business to help them, you know, unlock their full potential. Well, and again, the the world we live in, technology is not optional. And knowing right. that it works and it's gonna work well is critically important. If you have any number of employees, some of somebody there is having an issue with their technology. So having access to a, a service that's a predictable spend. So we have very transparent pricing. So we make a lot of CFOs happy because they yeah. know exactly what it's going to be. Uh, we are incredibly responsive. And again, it takes a company to get to that size where when someone needs help, they want it now. They actually wanted it before the problem happened. Responsiveness is, is key. Time. Right now, yeah, I think it's, it. I think the responsiveness in terms of customer satisfaction actually is above having technical expertise. They just oh, want to yeah. vent and let the, and let somebody else own the problem. So response time is hypercritical. I'll validate that for you too, yeah. because Vision Thirty Three. That's been one of our biggest things. Like, hey, how do we show customers value post the initial implementation? And for us what we found in our surveys and metrics and stuff was response time, because if they call in for support or they want to get something added on and it gets into our general consulting queue, it, you know, it could be two, three, four days a week till someone gets back yeah. to them because we're busy. Now we prioritize it. Everybody's guaranteed, yeah. you know, within 24 hours, they're getting a response. And, you know, we're being called out on that on very public yeah. email chains if we miss it. So it is something of very, very high importance yeah. to a lot of people. Yeah. So fast, friendly, predictable. And getting all three oh, of those great. in one package is, is tough to do, but that really is kind of our secret sauce. We've distilled it down to that. We've structured the business. We've structured all of our procedures. We've structured our pricing all, our, all around being fast, friendly, and predictable. Um, and, and small businesses definitely appreciate that. Uh, and big businesses appreciate it as well. So, yeah, especially uh, right now, yeah. you know, with yeah. cost and stuff like that um, yeah. skyrocketing everywhere around us, um, you know, having that predictable nature to it, like you were saying about the CFOs, yeah. loving it. Um, that That is, I think, key. Nobody likes having a surprise bill, let yes. alone a huge surprise bill right now. And with, well, we talked about cloud, Every, everything in the cloud world is kind of a per user per seat kind mm -hmm. of a licensing. So, you know, yep. as you're adding a new, a new team member, you're going to have a new license, this and new license that we fit that same model. We basically grow with them if they're growing and we'll shrink with them if they're shrinking and hopefully they're not shrinking, but some of that did happen in, in the pandemic yep. world. And, uh, and we've been able to grow right out of it. So. Um, I, yeah. I will tell you, we didn't really talk about this, but I'm massively excited about the small business, at least my little microcosm of it. People are thriving. I mean, small yeah. business in this country, at least in the, in the segments I touch, uh, it's booming. I am super optimistic. Well, I see the excitement oozing out of you, John. So tell <laughs> us, how can people... 
how can people reach out to you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, purpleguys.com. So just the color purple, G-U-I-S.com. Also Purple Guys uh, on LinkedIn and a bunch of other social channels. But LinkedIn is kind of our primary social channel. And purpleguys.com has all of the other links to get a hold of us. And it is with the word the in front of Purple Guys, right? No, nope, it is or? just Purple just Guys. Just Purple Guys? Uh, purple we, we Guys. Do all okay. the, we do own the domain the Purple Guys, which I believe redirects to us. But it's purpleguys.com. So just purple P-U-R-P-L-E. G-U-I-S.com. Okay, perfect. Hey, yep. John, thank you so much. Uh, we've had some laughs. We got some good info. Yes. Did you enjoy it? It's been awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. Definitely didn't you feel survived. like shark bait, but I, I like it. it this, was, this was great. <laughs> appreciate it. Well, see, see, the bad stuff happens once we hang up. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> then, then it goes to the editing room. Yeah, yeah. They'll cut uh, everything out. But yes. hey, thank you so much for coming out here. It's been awesome. I appreciate your time, John. Awesome. Totally appreciate it. Yep. Cheers. Wow, that was an amazing chat with John, right? First. You all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to do this a solid, okay? Remember, Shark Bite Biz is the best kept secret out there in the world of business. Please share this to your network. Help your friends on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, MySpace. If you're using MySpace, share it on MySpace, okay? Help your friends discover Shark Bite Biz so that they can learn personally, they can learn professionally, and they can help learn how to grow their business by hearing amazing stories like John just told us. I'd love to see nothing more than John Schramm, the Purple Guys, and Shark Bite Biz out there trending. Now let's get back to our rock star Purple Guy guest, John, okay? So many things to unpack on this episode. First, the most obvious. Congrats to John and his wife for kicking butt and creating their own million-dollar IT firm. The second, pretty simple, okay? To be known as the Purple Guys. To do it like a synonymous, kind of like having the title be like that. You get what I'm trying to say? Connecting those dots. I mean, it's kind of like when you go out and you, instead of saying, oh, I'm going to search for something on Google, you're just, hey, I'm Googling it. To be able to turn your product into a verb like that with the purple guys and how they did it and they did it with their logo, that is incredible. I think almost every entrepreneur out there would love to be able to have an ability like that. And they were able to do it. This, you know, husband-wife duo were able to do it in a way that really just connected with people. You know, and when that's kind of ironic when I say that because their job literally is connecting people to, to technology. So it really worked hand in hand. And that's an amazing job they did. Next up is even though John said, you know, in the very beginning of the interview that it's been a quote unquote, it's been a fun ride. But wow, what a ride it's been for him. Unintentional serial entrepreneur. He's on his third business. How many times have we heard that on this show? You know, look, we just had uh, Sandro Pianconi, for example, who's been in multiple startup businesses that he started, like Hempaco right now. We've been 
on a lot of other guests on this show. Chris Craddock, his episode just aired, for example, too. Another serial entrepreneur. I mean, that is a special breed of human right there. And guest after guest, it just seems like you're born with this calling to where it happens by happenstance. You know, it's kind of accidental to where you just follow the path that has been given to you. And it just means that you're a born leader. You're a born business person. And you're, you're just going out there and doing the best you can and reaching all the dreams that you can in this lifetime. In John's case, again, from a business perspective, he's been extremely successful with three different businesses, okay? And it sounds like with the second business, he definitely cut bait when it was time. And now he went out, got his own firm between him and his wife. And it's something that fits his vision, his goals. His wife's goals, they're one in this, they probably have some differences, but for the most part, they're going to be one in the same. You have no competing endgame or toxic relationships to deal with. So congrats to both John and his wife. I mean, amazing, amazing job with this. And, you know, obviously having an episode like we have right here, one of the main reasons John came on is I like to personalize stories. And I've said this a million times, when I bring somebody on the show, I want you to hear what that person has been through. And that's why the very first question of every interview is, hey, what you've been doing? You know, who are you? What's your experience? What's your background? That's why I ask that, because it's not that I want them to have instant credibility with all of you you know, immediately. What I'm more looking for is I want to hear that unique perspective, that unique path that that person had to take to get where they're at. Because to me then, when I listen to the advice that they're giving me now as a successful serial entrepreneur, okay, it has a lot more value because I understand, I don't know every detail, but I have a good general sense of the path that he took to success and how he got there. It just weighs it down that much more, makes it more valuable and also credible to me. Now, when we did bring him on though, we brought him on for security. You remember, when you're working from home, your business is only going to be as strong as the weakest link. And some innocent click could really lead to ransomware or something like that that can cost your business a ton of money. I mean, we're talking easily, easily millions of dollars. Look at the Colonial Pipeline, for example. You know, and they even had backups, but they didn't have a fast switch approach that they were able to, you know, quickly able to uh, leverage the cloud and, you know, the, the cloud technology that's out there to be able to switch to those back up instantly cost them a lot of money, costing us money because gas went up because of it. And it's pretty crazy. So you got to remember, though, security isn't just in the ransomware or the insurance payments that go out. It's in the downtime as well, too. That's one of the biggest risks, that downtime, lack of production, and with that, I mean, it's hard to, if you can't bill as a business, you're not making money. I mean, you are stuck. It is a lose-lose situation. And I think that's where John gave us some excellent points of views 
from being not on the side of the business owner, but actually on the side that's on the receiving end of the phone calls. It has to feel the, the phone calls from angry end users when they can't get their printer to print or their phone to dial out or whatever it may be. I, I really thought that his take on the digital transformation, work from home, some of the tech tips that he gave us during the pandemic. I mean, I think it was really cool hearing that all from somebody like him with his story that him and his wife have it was awesome i mean it really just comes down to how can we be better prepared as we continue down this digital transformation journey so question of the day what was your last help desk experience like <laughs> if you're like me and you call up somebody like t-mobile sorry t-mobile love you but still you know it probably drives you nuts i said that that i think during the interview but um, i'd love to hear your experiences have you worked with an outsourced it firm like the purple guys let's hear what your experience have been pros Let's hear it. Leave a comment down below on YouTube. Remember, if you want to be in the show, you can send an email. Interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Also, two quick reminders. Please join the channel. It's $3 a month. You can become a baby shark here on YouTube and support us. Or head on over to deadhousecoffee.com. Use the code SHARK. Get 20% off of your order. And all those proceeds help us grow. You all know this by now. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.